I'm Kate Martin-Williams. I'm Fulu. And this is Ething Shakespeare Shorts. Our guest today is Jabari Asim. He is the recipient of a Guggenheim Fellowship in Creative Arts and the author of seven books for adults, including We Can't Breathe, On Black Lives, White Lies, and The Art of Survival, and 10 books for children. His poems are included in several anthologies, and he is the director of the MFA program at Emerson College. We are thrilled to welcome you to the studio, Jabari Asim. Thank you so much for making time. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for inviting me. In this episode, we're going to listen to some new poems from your new book, your new collection of poetry, Stop and Frisk, American Poems, which comes out this June from our own press, Plume State Literary. So we're happy Yay. to talk about it. Yay. <laughs> First of all, how are things in Boston? Uh, you know, I, I, hmm, I stutter and stammer <laughs> because I... I can only speak to what's going on in my house because it's been <laughs> it's been so long since I've been outside beyond the porch. But it's, it's very quiet. I can tell you that much. And unlike our friends in New York, I, the night hasn't been you know riddled with the sounds of sirens. Although you know there has been much much sickness and 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 death here to be sure. But it's it's a different pace, I guess, and, and less density. We're we're trying to to ride it out. Most of my family's here with me. And that that's comforting, and so we are we are finding comfort in each other's company, and mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, trying to send the you know thoughts of of safety and and good health toward everyone else because we have access to the media, of course, and we're we're very aware of the suffering, pain, and suffering that that many people are enduring in this you know extraordinary time. Absolutely. Before we get to the reading, can you tell us um, just a little bit about the thinking behind Stop and Frisk, this new collection? I'm thinking particularly about it being kind of existing in conversation with your book of essays, We Can't Breathe. Can you tell us sort of how those two communicate to one another? Sure. Uh, One of my preoccupations, I guess you would say, creative artist, uh, and also as a journalist, I often address the phenomenon or the experience of being a Black body in public spaces, and I guess even more specifically, being a Black body in spaces where there may not be many other Black bodies, mm-hmm. if at all. My generation, that's certainly our experience. That was my educational experience, going to mostly white schools, you know, the age of 10, white college. Most of my workplaces have been overwhelmingly white, you know, without exception, really. And so there's that experience, and then there's the experience of just moving through space, waiting for a bus, trying to catch a taxi, trying to get uh, adequate customer service at a store, being harassed by the police. These are all experiences that certainly resonate in both uh, my essays, We Can't Breathe, and also in the poems, for sure. And so tell us specifically about what you're doing in Stop and Frisk, sort of the setup before you share some of that poetry with us. Sure. Most of them probably would be fair to describe them as persona poems. I'm I'm adopting the voice in most instances of of someone other than myself, sometimes a private citizen, often a woman, sometimes a man, occasionally a police officer, just the different actors in this this daily drama uh, surrounding crime and punishment, disproportionate incarceration, racial stereotyping, all of these types of things. So in many of the poems, 
uh, you know, I'm a parent or, you know, just a citizen trying to make his or her way, make their way through, through a space without undue interference, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the poems are in different voices. Uh, I guess many of them, you might call them uh, dramatic monologues even. Do you care to read some for us? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Let me see. I have that handsome volume at hand here. <laughs> Start with one called The Talk. Mm. It's more than time we had that talk about what to say and where to walk, how to act and how to strive, how to be upright and stay alive, how to live and learn how to dig and be dug in return, when to concede and when to risk, how to handle stop and frisk. Keep your hands where they can see and don't reach for your ID until they request it quite clearly. Speak to them politely and answer them sincerely. The law varies according to where you are, whether you're traveling by foot or driving a car. It won't help to be black and proud, nor will you be safer in a crowd. Keeping your speech calm and restrained, ask if in fact you're being detained. If the answer is no, you're free to go. If the answer is yes, remain unfazed to avoid being choked, shot, or tased. Give every cop your ear, but none your wit. Don't tempt them to fold, spindle, mutilate, hit, or otherwise cause pain to tendons, bones, muscles, brain. These are things you need to know if you want to safely come and go. But still, there is no guarantee that you will make it home to me. Despite all our care and labor, you might frighten a cop or neighbor whose gun sends you to endless sleep, proving life's unfair and talk is cheap. Wow. Should I go on? (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay, this is called uh, The Disappeared. Every portrait posted on the black and missing website looks like someone I know. Last seen in parking lots and on porches, at work, leaving church, heading to class, rolling cross country to visit friends. 64,000 mostly missing in New York, Georgia, North Carolina, Maryland, and Florida. Signs of struggle, prints wiped clean, empty cars with engines running. So many women, so little news. All these Americans, the thin air has swallowed. No Chandras, Kayleys, or Natalies among them. Phoenix, Shani, Arnika, Sharon, Telana, Latoria, how your smiles Stay with us, your winning gleam. And Chile, the mothers and wives of the disappeared, would dance in protest at the government gates. How shall we announce our scars and fractures, our sustained despair? I dream of a drumbeat summit, millions of men stepping and sliding in electric syncopation a train of souls whirling beyond the White House fence. Okay, I'll do two more. This one's called Warning, contains graphic violence. Attention all units, black woman walking eastbound on I-10 near the La Brea on-ramp. 
approximately five feet five inches tall, 135 pounds, early 50s, answers to grandma. Wearing a pink dress and appears to be armed with a purse. If you encounter the suspect, she may resist by walking slowly away. Throw her on her back and squeeze her between your thighs. Raise your fist high and punch her face until she is still. She may resist by continuing to breathe, in which case raise your fist high and continue to punch. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Is she still moving? Punch her again, again, again. Be advised that this is a high-risk pursuit. Finally, this is called CNN Sends a Man to Ferguson. In Ferguson, the people raise their hands above their heads and praise God, his works, and his mysterious ways. They ask for justice before peace and pray for suffering to cease. Nighttime brings danger and caprice, wayward men in tanks lawless police. In Ferguson, the people earn their bread to keep their children fed and a sheltering roof overhead. They drive home with care to avoid a policeman's baleful stare and the siren's dreadful blare. I broadcast and folks lean in to absorb my clever spin, my glossy lips, my chiseled chin. Behind me, history marches past. In Ferguson is hip-hop, heavy bass, that rhythm of summer, rhymes, fury, grace, born of a particular time and place, battling the heat, clawing the troubled dust. There is love, too, in Ferguson, softness and hardness and grateful receiving. Out of anguish, a resilient weaving of heart and flesh and breath a respite from riotous, impudent death. In Ferguson, they know the world prefers to turn away, ignoring the forces of corruption at play in a little town making a killing from tickets, fines, and occasional blood spilling. I had blamed their circumstance on absent fathers and sagging pants, but after two days here, I can see why the revolution won't be on TV. I wonder as I wander among these vines, streaming loops and Twitter bugs scrambling for scoops. I'd scratch my head, but I'd muss my hair. How to get this sound bite on the air? People in Ferguson are like people everywhere. An Emmy? A Peabody? I imagine accolades between the tear gas and shock grenades. It's true. Some are talking trash and urging others to plunder and smash. But amid the artillery and armored thugs who curse and shove, I've seen mostly peaceful people acting out of love. In days to come, arguments and retorts, double-talking cops and missing incident reports. Live at five, I remind the world why we're watching this town. His name was Michael Brown. I don't I don't think I will 
forget one of the early conversations we had about this book, Jabari, where I was asking, we were asking if there was room in the collection for a few more moments of tenderness, maybe a peek into the vulnerable side of, of some of the characters who are delivering these dramatic monologues. And that conversation <laughs> exposed my own blind spots that the deep breaths I was asking to have for the reader aren't there to be had as in this country, we're so far from a place where we all get to take a deep breath. Yeah. Yeah. That's... And I wonder if you could say a little bit more about that. I, I appreciate that conversation because it delivered a punch to me that I needed. And I think that's what the book does. Well, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I, I acknowledge the, the absolute necessity of, uh, of being able to take a breath, but being able to take a breath is in itself, a, you know, it's sort of a privileged position and, right, right. and, you know, and there's, there's various types of, of privilege and privilege is a gentle term. You know, often I use the term unearned advantage mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it's not, mm -hmm. it's not just race-based, you know, obviously I'm writing from a position of privilege. I'm, I'm a college professor. I have relatives who don't have the privileges I have and don't have the options that I have. And so for some people, you know, the desire to take that break, to get that respite is there, but the opportunity isn't. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I was influenced by, you know, other art forms, uh, even when I was working on uh, We Can't Breathe. And I saw uh, Steve McQueen's adaptation of 12 Years a Slave, you know, which is uh, based on a book. And I'd seen an earlier adaptation by Gordon Parks. And one of the things that I admired about the, the Steve McQueen adaptation is he he bypassed most of the opportunities to give the audience a break, to give them mm -hmm. a respite, you know, because the subject matter, these enslaved people, they didn't have that opportunity. And he kind of right. wanted, he wanted very much to encourage us to have an immersive experience. And I was going for a similar thing with the poems. Mm-hmm. And then what about this notion of it being a, a concept album? That's also some of the things that we talked about when we were kind of structuring the, the poems and talking about how it's delivered to the reader as a, yeah. as a piece of art and a, the aesthetic around the collection. Sure. I mean, I, I have a background in, in theater, written a lot for the stage, and I have no musical ability whatsoever, but I have a really healthy envy of musicians. <laughs> and I think these <laughs> and I, I think these various interests sort of converged in the book. What what if someone like me who's not a musician but has an affinity with say singer-songwriters, and if I had an opportunity to put together an album addressing these issues, what would it look like? What would it include? And I don't think we talked about this, but one of the concept albums that I was thinking about was Nebraska by Bruce Springsteen, you know, where he mm -hmm. inhabits, inhabits these other voices and, you know, a, a much bigger challenge for him, say, than for me, because his vocal persona is so well known. And, right, yeah. and so you're listening, you know, you're listening to, to Bruce Springsteen, but at the same time, he's kind of asking you to imagine you're listening to Charlie Starkweather or, or one of these serial killers in the Badlands. And, you know, he mm -hmm. has to overcome all that with, with the music. And so, so I thought about that, you know, I said, I, I want to, I want to inhabit these personas in a way that people who don't know me don't necessarily hear my voice, you know, oh, that's, that's, mm -hmm. that's Jabari. I mean, if you do, that's fine. But if not, I want, I want you to be able to, to get inside the skin of, of these characters and fully appreciate their experience. So in that respect, they're, they're narrative heavy. Another concept album that I thought about a lot was uh, What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. 
Mm -hmm. So those were probably the two that I thought of most while trying to to shape the poems. Well, thank you so much for for sharing them with us. Uh, Before we go, I want to know what you're doing to stay sane. What's out there maybe that our listeners might not know about that can help them? (laughs) What's giving you respite at the moment? Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm certainly looking at, at art books and, you know, I'm blessed to be in a house with a whole lot of books and I can immerse myself in them, keep a stack by the bed, magazines, that sort of, and listening to a lot of music. I mean, I have tons of playlists of different artists that I'm listening to. Can you give a recommendation of an artist you're listening oh. to right now? I would like to add that. Uh, let me see. Let, like so many. I'm actually listening to Bobby McFerrin's first album. Oh, it's, nice. It's, 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 you know, it's just full of really beautiful stuff. And I find it's it's one that it's a joy to listen to in the morning before the day really begins. And you have to deal with, you know, what, whatever it is you're going to have to deal with, the particular challenges of that day. And the other thing, um, I, I can't think of a specific off the top of my head because I'm on the spot. But the other <laughs> thing, but the other thing is, uh, is comedy. You know, I mean, laughter is laughter is a form of resistance, I think. And so I'm always looking for opportunities to laugh with my children, mm. my wife. There's this wonderful poem by Jack Gilbert. And one of the lines is, I'm badly paraphrasing him, but it's basically, we must risk delight. And mm. in this poem, he acknowledges that all these horrible things are going on in the world all the time. And in spite of all that, we must risk delight. So I try, mm. to, do, I try to do that every day. And it's a great poem, Jack Gilbert. Anything by Jack Gilbert, I think, is is worth looking at. But that poem in particular. That is a uh, a glorious yeah. way to end yeah. the show. Thank you so yes. much for that recommendation. Thank you for having me. I hope we me. can have you on the show for an extended interview so we can, you know, we barely scratch the surface of your new collection. I'd love to get you on and talk about some more of your work if you'll, if you'll let us. By all means, you know where to find me. Jabari, we wish you nothing but health and safety and all the love in the world. And it was really great to hear your voice. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you, Kate. It was a real pleasure. Effing Shakespeare Shorts is a production of Bloomsday Media, hosted by Kate Martin-Williams and Jessica Cole, and me, Fu Lu. Production assistance by Lily Wolfmeyer. No birds harmed in the making of the podcast. None, not to our knowledge.